You're listening to the Sound Defense Alliance podcast. According to Navy evaluators, the EA-18G emits a maximum of 150 decibels, which is well above the noise level considered hazardous to hearing and creates permanent hearing loss. According to the Department of Defense, at a noise level of 150 decibels, the maximum daily exposure time with current technology hearing and, and ear protection worn correctly is only 8.9 seconds before permanent hearing damage occurs. That's pretty darn short. Welcome back to the Sound Defense Alliance podcast. I'm Caitlin and I'm here with my co-host Tara. In this episode, we will be learning about the impacts of the noise from the EA-18G growlers on hearing health. Our guests are Marianne Brabanski, an audiologist who lives in Coopville, Washington, and serves on the board of the Citizens of Evie's Reserve, and Dr. Edmund Sito, an associate professor of environmental and occupational health sciences at the University of Washington. We'll start by hearing from Marianne about some of the technical aspects of hearing and how the growlers have an impact on it. The way hearing works is the sound that is emitted by anything It affects a very certain frequency range, which usually affects the high frequencies. And that's just the loudness, the actual loudness of the growlers. And it affects the hair cells in our inner ear. To explain that, the inner ear is like a little seashell. And in that, there are little tiny little hairs. And there's a fluid around these hair cells. So when an impact comes, such as a loud noise, only a specific range of hair cells are affected and they literally slush around. It's like having a tidal wave go through and they start going from straight up to going down, recovering, go back down to recover. But they always usually don't recover all the way back to normal. So every little minuscule, tiny little bit that goes down until they've literally shaved off that area of the hair cells. It's like taking a lawnmower and just cutting down one area of the lawn. And it's the same thing. What happens then is it affects the high frequencies where the consonants of the English language are. And the consonants are the building blocks of words. So if I say the word, for example, baseball, and I get a high frequency hearing loss, I might hear just baseball. So that's sound, which is a sibilant, and that's a soft sound to begin with. And if you have a whole bunch of consonants that you no longer hear in the English language, then what happens is people start to mumble. They're not mumbling, but that's what you hear. Well, quit mumbling is what people say, because that particular frequency has been damaged to such an extent. And the growler, particularly, you know, coming through anywhere from 100 to 150 decibels, you can be at 150 decibels, you can't be exposed to any amount of time without it creating damage. Sensory neural hearing loss, which is the loss of the hair cells or the nerve of hearing, is not reversible. Once that's kind of damaged, hearing aids can make a difference, but it's an adjustment. Like anything else, it's a form of bandage. For some background, Dr. Sito breaks down what decibels are and how their increase in levels are measured. So a decibel is 
just a common way that we use to describe noise intensity. Noise is a kind of sound, and sound has a frequency and an amplitude. It looks like a wave. We often refer to noise as nuisance sound, sound that no one wants. You know, decibels are kind of interesting because they're on a logarithmic scale. And so if you've got 70 dB from one noise source and 70 dB from another source, you don't add them together and you get, you don't get 140 dB, you get something that's a little bit higher than 70 dB. There's other kinds of scales that we frequently encounter that are on this sort of logarithmic measurement uh, yardstick, if you will. Richter scale for earthquakes, that's another sort of logarithmic scale that most people know about. The decibel is just a useful indicator of how intense a noise is. What it doesn't fully capture is, you know, frequency. And so, you know, a high-pitched noise might be more annoying than a regular speaking voice frequency. And low noise rumble and vibration, that may be more annoying to some people still. And that's not fully captured in the decibel. And then the other thing that sometimes we don't get a full grasp on, which is some of the issues with the growler jet issues, not only are growler jets really noisy, you know, for communities that live around the growler jets, it's that incessant day in, day out, you know, jets overhead, disruption of their, their soundscapes that ends up being really, really annoying and has a lot of, aside from annoyance, has a lot of other human health impacts. It's not only the amplitude and how loud a noise is, but, you know, just how frequently people experience it. You know, the other interesting thing that you know, decibels as a number doesn't fully capture in terms of human impacts. There's a very strong perceived aspect of noise. A lot of people may find noise very annoying because they can't do anything about it. They think that this is something that I wish I could control, but, you know, someone else is producing this noise. It's annoying me and I can't do anything about it. And that can be, you know, a very strong impact on people individually, as well as entire communities that sort of experience things like aircraft noise. Dr. Sito mentioned that decibel measurements don't fully capture the impact of different frequencies and that people may be more impacted by high or low frequencies. The growler is known for its low frequency rumble that can have a big impact on people and their health, as well as objects and structures. Woodby Islander Marion Atwood shares her experience with the low frequency rumble of the jets. One of the other unnerving things that happened to me was I was taking a bath one evening when the jets came. The water in the tub began vibrating. And at that moment in time, I understood completely what low level sound does. It vibrates everything, everything in its path. And clearly that included me sitting in my bathtub. The growler jet has a high frequency and a low frequency sound profile. And although some of the high frequency noise can be blocked, nothing blocks low level noise. And that's where the growler, the low rumble, where it gets its name. There's no shielding against low frequency noise. Closed doors and windows are not effective. Earplugs are of no use because low frequency noise bypasses your eardrum. With its increased low frequency contact, growler takeoff events have a higher potential to cause noise-induced vibration. This means rattling, you know, the very structures of buildings, 
dwellings and things inside the home, like rattling objects, hanging pictures, dishes, things that might be on your counters, and water in my bathtub. But at what level does noise start to have an impact on our hearing? The decibel level where it starts to is about approximately 80 decibels. Normal conversation is around 50 to 65 decibels, depending on the person, in terms of loudness. You know, that's the measurement of loudness is the dB. And um, so you can be exposed several hours at 80 decibels. OSHA comes in many places in a factory and all that. They explain how long you can be exposed to a particular level of noise from manufacturing machinery or whatever. And you are then required to wear hearing defenders, noise defenders, in other words, to protect the hearing that you have. They usually reduce the loudness level by about 25 decibels. But again, that depends on whether you have a headset, whether you have some foam things that you put in your ear. And if you put the foam things in your ear, for example, you don't have it in quite right. You know, so you're not getting the full benefit all the time. Headset, if you have very thick glasses on the side that keep that headset open a little bit, you know, everything depends on how much loudness is decreased is by how well you use the hearing protection in the first place. As the decibel level increases, it's incremental by, let's say, it's about eight hours at 80 dB, but at 90 dB, you can be only exposed to it, let's say, six hours. By the time you get to where the growlers are going, let's say maximum of 150 to be, you can't be exposed to it at all before those hair cells in the inner ear are damaged. But a steady 120, you could be exposed to it maybe for a minute. Oftentimes in my field, because I, I look at occupational health as well, you know, when we talk about noise-induced hearing loss, you know, those are usually for industries where there's a lot of machinery and, and equipment and it's chronic exposure to those loud noises where, you know, when you get into the 85, 90 decibel levels, like an entire career working in a factory with those kind of noise levels. Yeah, for sure. You'd be at risk of noise induced hearing loss, but you know, that's not a threshold. It's not like, you know, if you're you know, right at 80, you're okay. And if you jump up to 85 and, and 90, you work in those conditions, then you'll have hearing loss. You know, it's more subtle than that. We typically refer to dose response. And so at every single dose of noise, there's a certain increased level of risk of developing hearing loss, but many, many other health impacts as well. So for instance, before you get hearing loss, you might have tinnitus, which is ringing of the ears as a telltale sign that, you know, later on, if you keep having these noise exposures, you might have hearing loss that's permanent. You could also have temporary hearing loss as well. And so a good example of that is uh, if you go to a loud music concert, when you come out of that club or whatnot, you can't hear your friends talking so well, but you wait the next day and your hearing should go back to normal if it's a temporary hearing loss situation. You know, when, when you start to talk about growler jets where the noise levels are much, much louder than commercial aircraft and much, much louder than even a lot of sort of occupational settings, hearing loss can be a concern, but all the other 
sort of sub-acute uh, and chronic human health effects are also relevant as well. According to Navy evaluators, the EA-18G emits a maximum of 150 decibels, which is well above the noise level considered hazardous to hearing and creates permanent hearing loss. According to the Department of Defense, at a noise level of 150 decibels, the maximum daily exposure time with current technology hearing and, and ear protection worn correctly is only 8.9 seconds before permanent hearing damage occurs. That's pretty darn short. And I'm sure that's happened to me. The growler jets also often fly at nighttime, sometime even as late as midnight. Noise like this late at night has an even greater impact on our bodies than during the day. Marianne explains the difference. The difference is, is that the white noise that we hear around us all day long, the machinery, the noise your printer makes, you know, it's just a tiny little bit, but it's there. Your washing machine, there's always some ambient noise, white noise around all the time. Whereas at night, sometimes all of that's off. It's quiet. You hear nothing. Or it's very low. But there is this instinctive part of a human being that's trying to protect itself at night. It's more obvious during those quiet moments. So suddenly, you've got these huge, loud jets coming over. And people may be already asleep because they have to go to work five o'clock in the morning. So they're not getting their full six or eight hours of sleep that they really need so that they can function properly in the next day. The noise factor is so much larger at night than it is during the day. If you're like me, you might be listening to people describe how loud these growlers are, often producing noise around 120 decibels, but wondering, okay, what is noise like that really like? What is it comparable to? To give you an idea, we asked some of our podcast guests to share what they think is comparable to the growler. Well, let's say they're up 400, 500 feet. It's, it could be a roar like a motorcycle going by. Think of like maybe a train. If you've ever been stopped at a road where you're at a train crossing, where the guardrails come down and a train blasts its horn, that's like a 100 dB sound level. If you have ever gone by a construction site where they're operating jackhammers, that's a similar kind of noise intensity level. I would say a chainsaw when you're right next to it, but it's not nearly as loud as a growler because it doesn't have the low frequency. The growler has this thunder as well. It has that ripping sound of a chainsaw, that high-pitched, break-your-eardrum kind of scream. Think of a chainsaw in a thunderstorm. That's probably about it. That boom where it just makes you jump. That's what the growler does. It does that boom, and it also does the scream of the chainsaw. The sound is equivalent to downtown rush hour in Seattle, and it's in the 70 to 80 decibel range. The Navy describes that as the sound of a garbage disposal in their own documents. For our listeners who don't live in Northwest Washington, or just for anyone who hasn't heard these jets, we're going to play a clip of the growlers flying. The clip is going to be 15 seconds long and may be triggering to those with PTSD or who are sensitive to loud noises. 
If you'd like to skip past this clip, skip ahead 15 seconds or check our show notes to see the exact timestamp to skip to. It's hard to understand the full experience of the Growler Jets without hearing them firsthand, but as you can tell by our guest comparisons, and even the clip of the jet noise, they are incredibly loud. They can cause serious damage to hearing, but Marianne and Dr. Sito describe some ways that their impact on our hearing can be mitigated. First of all, we should get our hearing tested so that we know at least the base level of where we are for whatever reason. Even children should get tested every year annually. The unfortunate problem is that we don't have a study pre-growlers in regards to having everybody's hearing tested and then study them afterwards, you know, on an annual basis to try to weed out some of the age aspects. But we can definitely tell hearing loss from noise versus aging or other diseases. It's a different pattern. And it would have been very interesting to see how much we've been affected by that. Secondly, to teach a community how to protect your hearing and take care of it. You would anything else, like if you have a cut in your finger, you're going to do certain things to protect it. How do you protect the child? You have to put hearing protection on them. But how can you have a kid going around with hearing protection at the outlying field playing softball? Well, the jets are flying right over them, you know, and they have a whole bunch of kids running around, eight-year-olds, nine-year-olds, having a blast, and suddenly the jets are flying, but they're playing against another team. Well, they're not going to stop. They're trying to cover one ear, but instinctively, they're trying to protect themselves, whereas those kids should be wearing hair protection the whole time that they're doing this. The only way you can really, through education, through testing, through reminding people, look, this is how you could hear 10 years ago, and this is how you're hearing now. Oh, it's not due to the jets. Well, there certainly are contributors. Hearing health is very important. And, you know, what we typically think of in terms of hearing conservation programs and hearing protection comes from the occupational health realm which isn't super practical or relevant for community environmental noise issues. So for instance, wearing earplugs or job rotation and that kind of stuff that you typically hear about within the industrial sector for dealing with noise exposures, that's not super, super relevant for for communities. For communities, the, the main thing is really controlling the source of the noise. And for aircraft, oftentimes that requires limiting flight And the limits can be enacted in different ways. So for instance, reducing flights at night, which would be the hours when sleep disruption would be most relevant, you know, switching over to different technologies, engines, fuels, these sorts of things that might result in lower noise emissions, changing of flight routes that can also have some impacts because, you know, a lot of the noise exposure is, is based on proximity to the noise source. And so if you can shift the aircraft farther away from where people are, from where the affected ecosystems services would be, then potentially you could also reduce the impacts. So it's a bit challenging. A lot of these types of shifts aren't things that can be done overnight. 
But I think a useful starting point is quantifying the impacts so that we have some baselines for thinking about as we enact these different types of controls, what sort of benefits are we getting at the community level in terms of children's health, human health in general, and so forth. Unfortunately, one of the best ways to lessen the impact of the growler jets on hearing health would actually involve moving them to a different location where they'll have a less harmful impact on communities, animals, and environmentally sensitive areas. This is definitely no small feat, but there are strides being made in the effort against growler jet noise. If you want to get involved in the efforts, check out some of the resources in the show notes. And thanks for listening.